That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, hello. Well, we're back with another episode of the Bill Press Pod, and we're so glad to have you with us. What a change of scene. One week ago, we'd never heard of him. But today, outside of war in the Middle East, he's all you hear about. Of course, I'm talking about the new Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. Well, he may be a new face for most of us, but it didn't take us too long to figure out how he got the job. Three reasons. One, he's just as conservative, maybe more as conservative than Jim Jordan, but not as obnoxious, so he hadn't pissed off as many people. Two, Donald Trump likes him. And three, he was willing to take the job. There it is. So now, what do we know about this new guy and what can we expect? Can he hold the caucus together? Can he avoid a government shutdown? And how long is he likely to keep his job? Who the hell knows? <laughs> but if anybody does, it's today's guest, Carl Hulse, who spent three decades covering the Hill and is now chief Washington correspondent for the New York Times. Hello, Carl. Good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. Happy to do it. So what a wild week last week. <laughs> Uh, wild course, month, actually. <laughs> wild month, exactly. Um, and, you know, just to sort of sum up the significance of last week, um, I wouldn't normally turn to this source, uh, but I want to play a little clip from a man that you know well. Uh, okay. Congressman Matt Gates summing up what happened last week. Here he is on, on the Steve Bannon podcast. The MAGA is ascendant, and if, if you don't think that moving from Kevin McCarthy to MAGA Mike Johnson shows the ascendance of this movement and where the power in the Republican Party truly lies, uh, then, then you're not paying attention. Carl, I hate to admit it, but the guy's right, isn't he? Yeah, you can't really disagree with that. Uh, one quick aside, you know, Steve Bannon has been a very crucial part of this whole thing with huh. his podcast, and Annie Carney for The Times did a really great story on Bannon's involvement. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue this is the most conservative speaker uh, we've ever had. And, you know, his predecessors, and I did a piece for the Times about how uh, ill always befalls Republican speakers over the years, but they all tried to take advantage of the conservative movement without being really a big part of it. But Mike Johnson, he's deep in it. He he is uh, an extremely conservative guy and also, of course, very uh, religious. Somebody described him last week as an evangelical's evangelical. Uh, mm. So, uh, yeah, I think that this is this was a big moment. It's taken really since the Tea Party movement for them to fully realize their power. But they do have their man uh, in the speaker's chair now. So he was as conservative. He- Easily as conservative as Jim Jordan, but just not as much of a pain in the ass. Is that kind of? <laughs> well, I mean, I you could probably argue he's more conservative than Jim Jordan. You know, Whoa. Jim Jordan from Ohio, 
Uh, yeah. you know, this man is from the heart of the Bible Belt in Shreveport. Uh, he is uh, Jim Jordan. You know, there was a lot of there. Were, I don't know what the word to use is, but some of it was show, right? Jim for Jim Jordan, uh, yeah. Mike Johnson. Yeah. He really means he means this stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, but he was he Jordan. Jordan was a mentor. He uh, he met him early on, gave him a lot of advice in his career. Uh, that and I think you know I uh, sort of compared it to Dennis Hastert when he got the speakership in '98. When Tom Delay was a real power in the house, but he knew that he couldn't become a speaker, uh, and that's sort of what Jim Jordan found out too. But he got yeah. uh, you know the Republicans got Mike Johnson, who reminds me a lot, Bill, of Mike Pence, uh, in that he. He likes to, you know, Mike Pence always used to say, I'm a conservative, but I'm not mad about it. You know, I'm not an angry conservative. And Mike Johnson has some of that, you know, he's a, seems to be a nice guy, you know, and his image is certainly different than say Jim Jordan, you know, with the rolled up sleeves and I'm a wrestler and I'm going to knock you to the ground. Uh, Also like Mike Pence in terms of his evangelical uh, nature too, right? uh, Yeah, yeah. I was a little curious. Why didn't Mike Johnson ever become a member of the Freedom Caucus? You know, it may have been tactical. Uh, Huh. Maybe I I, I was curious about this myself and, you know, talked to people. But he, you know, I think he didn't want to be known as, and this is more of a guess than anything, I'm sorry, but I think he didn't want to be known as somebody who's always challenging the leadership, right? He wanted to be more of a regular member. And he saw his uh, movement more possible through the uh, Republican Study Committee, which is a very, very conservative group, larger than the Freedom Caucus. He became the head of it. And, you know, that's the the study committee is a little more policy driven. And, you know, you could make the argument there that he was staying more within the lines uh, than the Mm -hmm. Freedom Caucus, which is always, you know, the rabble rousers. And they tried to they they brought down Boehner and brought down Paul Ryan in a way. So, uh, you know, I Mike Johnson is a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't know much about leading the house yet or being speaker, but he is smart. He's got a law degree. He practiced constitutional law in Shreveport, which of course we didn't know was a hotbed of constitutional <laughs> right. law, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, he's a sharp guy. I'm already seeing some things that, uh, that he's doing that are, are kind of impressive. Uh, you know, he, he's making some moves. I, I still think it's going to be a really steep climb. There's just so much that goes on in leadership and certainly in the speaker office, you know, that he, he, he and his staff, they're not even aware of yet, uh, you know, the things they have. Yeah. One thing that impressed me. So he's clearly an election denier, right? We, yeah, 100%. <laughs> right. I mean, you and others in the Times have pointed out all the different things he did to help Trump try to overturn the election, you know, writing the brief. For the Texas case and lining up people in the House and boom, boom, boom. So, why did he go down to the White House to meet Joe Biden? <laughs> uh, well, I think you know he's <laughs> denialism only goes so far. I guess facts are facts. <laughs> Biden is the president down there, and he's going to have to work with Joe Biden. See, this yeah. is the thing with the situation in the House, and it it caught McCarthy. Although McCarthy, in some ways, he knew 
that he was going to have to make a deal with the Democrats. The Democrats have the Senate and the White House. You could sit in the House and uh, stomp your feet and say, I want this, I want that, and make demands. And you're still going to have to make a deal at the end of the day. So, you know, but I think he's he's got all this goodwill. I mean, obviously, Matt Gates. there was some really intense personal animosity towards McCarthy, right? Mm-hmm. And he was going to use McCarthy's actions against him. You know, now they're all happy. They've got Mike Johnson. And, you know, we're talking about a long-term funding uh, uh, congressional resolution, you know, a sort of stopgap bill. And uh, so he, he'll get a little leeway. But, yeah, he's got to deal with Biden, who, of course, he didn't know. Uh, he also has to deal with Chuck Schumer, who does not have his best interests at heart, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, and he's going to have to deal with Mitch McConnell and Mitch yes. McConnell maybe the hardest one of all because Mitch McConnell doesn't tell his best friend what he's doing, let alone some guy he just met. So yeah, uh, it's going to be fascinating, honestly. <laughs> so the Freedom Caucus could could forgive him a little visit to the White House, right? I mean, yeah, I think know. there's yeah, a lot yeah. more uh, leeway there than McCarthy had. You know, if that was McCarthy, they'd be pounding on him. So many feuds and grudges among the Republicans. And this did nothing but uh, exacerbate some of them. So you know, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing, that's for sure. So during that whole circus that we went through for three or four weeks, um, wh- we all thought there might come a point when some of the centrists would reach out and say, OK, the only way out of this is to make a deal with the Democrats, some kind of power sharing deal. That was never in the cards, was it? Well, no, I mean, you, you, you just can't do it. I mean, the current, you know, maybe 100 years ago in the House, <laughs> you know, uh, but not in this current partisan environment. The closest they got was uh, talking about a, a resolution to make Patrick McHenry uh, sort of temporary. He was pro-tem under this strange situation where all he could really do was conduct the election. There were some disagreements about the extent of his power. So there was this resolution. I talked to House Republicans the night before they took that to their membership that would say, hey, we're going to give empower Patrick McHenry for let's say three months or through January or something, so yeah. he could, so he can do some of these things. And the Republicans they just went berserk because mm. they, we're turning over the floor to the Democrats. We're turning they weren't Patrick McHenry, and I think there were Democrats who were going to vote for that resolution to help the Republicans. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the and the Republicans just went nuts that you're going to we're empowering the Democrats. Patrick McHenry was still going to be the speaker. It's not like Nancy Pelosi was going back into the speaker's chair. So there there just was no appetite for that at all. I mean, yeah, the uh, the Republicans and Democrats in the House don't love each other. And that there was, you know, this is in this kind of environment, you just can't do that. And I think it would have been tough for the Democrats to explain too, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you all of a sudden voting for a uh, Republican speaker. So I think the last time that I could find anyone of another party who voted for the other party's speaker was uh, 2001. It was one Democratic member who voted. I, it would, would, would have to have been Hastert. Can you guess who that member was? You know, you can't. So I'll no. tell you. 
It was Jim Trafficant. Of oh, my God. I should have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, he thought the Democrats were out to get him. So he preferred a Republican speaker. And of course, he was later expelled from Congress. But, you know, there's just no yeah. modern history of that happening. So that, that didn't happen. And, you know, good. <laughs> and it worked out for Mike Johnson because they were so exhausted and tired. They're like, OK, we can't do that. Let's let's vote for Mike Johnson. Carl, Jim Traffigan voted that way so he could get up on the floor and say, Mr. Speaker, beam me up, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> I, I've been, that's been my little pop quiz uh, the last week or so, and, and uh, nobody gets it. Yeah. But if, and once I say it, everybody goes, oh, that makes perfect sense. Beam me up. Right. How important a role did Donald Trump play in killing Tom Hemmer and uh, electing Mike Johnson? I mean, I think he played some role, but I don't think his, it's certainly not as big a role as Donald Trump would say he he played. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, Emmer, he stabbed Emmer after Emmer was already dead. It was, you know, Emmer was <laughs> on the ropes and Trump swoops in to deliver the coup de grace, I guess you could say. But, you know, these internal elections of party leaders, they really ride on internal dynamics, a lot of it personal. I mean, I think Trump was there and gave everybody kind of an excuse. I don't know that Trump at the end of the day, he might not be thrilled with Mike Johnson. You know, Mike, I could see Mike Johnson uh, breaking from some Trump stuff, although, you know, he wanted Trump to be president. Trump. Right. I mean, yeah. Johnson uh, really pushes the morality, right? Uh, that's an area where Trump has had some shortcomings. So, uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I don't think I don't think Trump Trump helped and, you know, was nibbling. But I don't think he was decisive. But Amber, you know, it's interesting, Bill, twice. Right. I've covered a lot of leadership elections used to be you get in a room, you fight it out, you elect a guy. And it's for the republic. It's usually a guy. And yeah. they go to the floor and that's it. In this case, those rules are gone now and people. I don't even know why they're going to have those internal elections anymore if anybody, nobody's going to pay attention to them. Just go to the floor. Yeah. Do we know anything about uh, Johnson's priorities or, or I guess, what do we know about his priorities? So well, far? I mean, I think his, it, it's the calendar that's making his priorities, right? He's, uh -huh. got, he's got to deal with the spending issue by November 17th, but it appears his, his first priority is Israel and he wants to move uh, aid to Israel uh, very quickly at some point, even this week. And uh, so he's, you know, he's pushing that. He's got a big problem. Though. So he wants to do aid to Israel without aid to Ukraine, which the White House wants packaged together. So to Senate Democrats. But the problem for uh, Mike Johnson is so does Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell may be the biggest advocate for aid to Ukraine in Washington. I mean, he really is pressing this. So uh, Johnson showed he, you know, he wants to get ahead of the Senate, which is smart. You know, uh, one of his commandments, right. one of his new commandments could be do unto the Senate before the Senate does unto you. Right. And uh, so he's moving quickly there. But the Senate could just put in the Ukraine money and send it back for some ping pong. Uh, so mm -hmm. but that's, that's it, but he's got to get this spending situation rectified. Uh, the, the Republicans have been fighting amongst themselves about spending on the individual bills. They're going to have to negotiate these bills with Democrats. So he sounds like he wants to get a, what we call, as you know, a continuing resolution through 
into January to allow them time to move their bills. That would be great. It would be great for everyone in Washington because their Christmas vacations would be, (laughs) uh, which is, of course, what everyone's really interested in. And uh, but, you know, how he does that, what the spending level is in that bill, uh, it's all to be determined. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on here for him to deal with. And he's got some censure resolutions coming up, you know. Yeah. Everybody's yep. censuring everybody else. And the, there's a move to throw out uh, Santos, the, the uh, notorious now New York Republican. So he's also got to deal with with some of those things. And he doesn't really have a, a big staff. Right. He's just basically promoting his Louisiana staff and, uh, you know, on the on the House side of the Hill right now, those staffers are young, not that experienced. So it's a. Uh, <laughs> He's got his hands full and he's probably a guy who's used to, you know, going home on the weekends and and not killing himself. And, you know, he's got family and kids and uh, it's probably going to be a real adjustment for him just in his personal life. Yeah. So a couple of a couple of clarifications here on Ukraine. My understanding is he's for funding Ukraine, but not tying it. To, to the uh, uh, aid to Israel. Is that, is that you? Yeah, I am think, I right? Well, I, I think you're right. And that's my perception too. But I think his, and I think his view is evolving toward funding Ukraine. I think there was some uncertainty about how committed he was. And he met with McConnell and basically came out and said what McConnell says. We have to stop Putin. And he just doesn't, you know, there's a lot of Republicans in the house, which is, it's so to me, the party of Reagan, right, you know, fighting uh, to not fund an ally uh, standing against Russia. It's really almost inconceivable. And but you have a lot of people there. So I think he wants to get the money going to Israel. But a lot of folks think if you don't do the Ukraine aid now with several things, it sends a horrible message to Ukraine and a positive message to Putin. And it just you know, they didn't fund Ukraine in the uh, temporary bill that the government's operating under now. That People thought that was a bad message. They don't want to do that twice. And it just makes it harder and longer to get. This is yep. the opening. This is the mm-hmm. opening. And right. uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure. But I don't think he is viscerally opposed to the aid, which is actually probably a good thing for Ukraine. But uh, I think it's going to be a fight to how it gets through. Uh, and by the way, uh, as we know, Mitch McConnell sort of upped the ante by inviting the uh, Ukrainian ambassador down to Louisville for yeah, a yeah, big meeting yeah. in Kentucky. So yeah. uh, no, no doubt about where Mitch McConnell, Mitch you McConnell know, stands on this, right? Mitch McConnell uh, is the biggest advocate for NATO. I mean, he, this is his worldview and that he that we need to stop Putin now. He thinks about World War Two. He is very determined. This is a legacy issue for him. And. You know, there's resistance in, among Senate Republicans, but there's certainly more Senate Republicans for this aid. So, you know, McConnell is a, he's he's a he's a you know still struggling with his health issues, despite whatever he says. I mean, he's not uh, quite up to where he was before, certainly. And he uh, this is what he's going to put his energy into to getting this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Carl Hulse, it's so good of you to join us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, there's another side of uh, the new speaker that you just barely touched on uh, that I want to ask you about, and that is his faith and his saying, my faith comes first. He made it pretty clear last week. 
Uh, a quick break, and we'll be right back. You know, friends, uh, you've heard me a couple of times. I want to do it again today. Urge your support for Jose Andres and the World Central Kitchen. I mean, we hear about all this uh, horrible stories about war in the Middle East. It's so distressing and it's so frustrating because we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. Well, yes, there is. And that is to give whatever help we can to Jose Andres and, again, his good people at the World Central Kitchen. They are on the ground in both Israel and in Gaza, helping the families in need, despite all the obstacles in getting support there. Check out their website at wck.org and send them, send Jose Andres, whatever help you can. Again, World Central Kitchen, wck.org. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on today's podcast, taking a look, uh, an in-depth look at our new Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. Our guest, Carl Hulse, who has been covering the Congress for um, some three decades now, chief Washington correspondent for The New York Times and managing editor of First Draft, which is a morning political newsletter from The Times. So, Carl, um, the first night of the full day that he is speaker, Mike Johnson does the obligatory appearance on Fox News on Sean Hannity. And he says, you want to know who I am? Here it is. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious. People are curious. What does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's that's my worldview. That's what I believe. Whoa. Didn't say <laughs> the Constitution, right? He said, most, most people would say, pick up the Constitution, right? Everybody in Congress uh, has a yeah. pocket copy and they all wave it around. Evidently, maybe Mike Johnson has a pocket Bible and uh, he's going to uh, wave that around like people wave around there. So what's uh, it really say about him? I mean, he is a deeply religious person, deeply. And, uh, you know, guided by his faith, obviously very conservative. There's been much written already, including by us 
about, you know, is Mike Johnson a Christian nationalist? Some people would say he is. Separation of church and state is a different uh, view uh, there. I, you know, I, the Bible, you know, you wonder how it handles like uh, subpoenas and impeachment and, you know, things like that. But the, I mean, he, this is a person, maybe more than anyone we've seen, certainly contemporarily, uh, driven by his faith in his public policy and how he keeps the two separate, if he keeps the two separate and how he navigates this is going to be really, really interesting because there's going to be some decisions uh, that would probably run counter to his faith. And, and how is he going to handle making those? And, you know, he's yeah. also his record on uh, gay rights. He's very been very, uh, anti-same-sex marriage and uh, you know i saw i think it was maybe in that same interview that he said he didn't remember a lot of the comments he'd made over the years uh about that uh that's convenient uh but you know this is this is going to be uh <laughs> this is going to be a, a struggle for him i think because there's a lot of things yeah. that a speaker of the house has to do that really aren't that religious no i mean you mentioned uh, a couple of them, but certainly abortion, homosexuality, same-sex marriage. He may not remember his comments, but he's got a paper trail miles long of yeah, interviews. Yeah, and, and growing, and growing. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because now, you know, it, all these podcasts and things that he did and writings, you know, I think he looked like he was a pretty regular uh, opinion writer down there into the local newspapers, you know, and these things are just surfacing. There was no vetting of him by House Republicans because, you know, they knew him and they, they they knew about this religious aspect. This is not any kind of surprise to anyone. He This is very a big part of his identity. But, you know, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to have all those words come out. You know, everybody's going to have reporters down there digging through everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, They'll, they'll, there's more to come. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that easy to erase by saying, geez, I don't remember that. So, uh, yeah. And he also said, uh, Leslie, something along the lines of that he's convinced that God uh, put him in this place at this time. Yeah. And God put every one of these Republicans in this place at this time, you know, for this purpose. Um, of course, God put Nancy Pelosi there for a long yeah, time, too. Yeah, I, yeah that's, what, see, that's how, that's how the, the religious uh, issue comes in. It's like, well, if everybody's been raised up and anointed to be in their position, doesn't that apply to Democrats, right? And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that to others, Bill. Uh, I'm, I, that depends a, on which, bi which Bible you pick up, Carl, yeah, I think. As right? a former altar boy in both <laughs> Latin and English, I think that I'm going to leave a lot of the religion analyses to others. Uh, having followed the same track, I will do the same thing, uh, Carl. So uh, you referenced uh, an article that I think was Saturday morning that you penned for the New York Times, which I really enjoyed, uh, which raises the question. So when you look at the history of Republican speakers lately, um, it hasn't gone so well for them, right? They haven't lasted a long time, Carl. It's just, How it's just brutal. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah, so how long is this guy going to last? Maybe he'll be the one that breaks the the mold. But you know, I the, I didn't write the headline, but I really enjoyed it. The like is the Republican speakership cursed? And uh, you know, you, you kind of have to to wonder about what's gone on. Uh, but the the 
issue for the Republicans in a lot of ways has been, how do I deal with my right wing and how do I deal with a Democratic president? Because that's where it's really gotten to be problematic because, you know, you have to make a deal when you don't control the government. Dennis Hastert, who was the longest serving uh, Republican speaker lately, and then, of course, uh, ended up in jail after he was uh, out of Congress because of some earlier uh, sexual uh, abuse cases while he was a high school coach. But he he worked mainly with George W. Bush, so he was able to navigate it. The other ones have had to run up against Democratic yeah. presidents. And so you have to make a deal, and then your right flank revolts. So, you know, Mike Johnson basically has that situation. But as we said earlier, I think he's certainly got a honeymoon right now with his members. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, the members of the Freedom Caucus, they're really, uh, you know, they don't see, have much patience. Uh, they don't recognize that you have to cut a deal. They're like, we're going to cut spending. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, Chuck Schumer uh, and Joe Biden have something to say about that. And uh, that's how Washington works. And uh, so, but I, I think he's in good shape for now. I, I think the hard part for him is just going to be figuring out what is actually going on here. And he's going to be dealing with some extremely experienced people on the other side who mm -hmm. uh, are are going to try and uh, undermine him in all sorts of ways. So right. we'll, we'll, we'll see how he manages it. Does he might, the... Does the motion to vacate still exist? Yeah, um, it, it exists. There's some talk about getting rid of it. That, of course, is the uh, motion that allowed Matt Gates as a single person to move to vacate Kevin McCarthy. Uh, there's some talk to get rid of it. They'll have to do it on the floor. It's part of the House Rules Package. Uh, so they will need, you know, will all their members vote for it? They'll probably want to raise it to basically what Nancy Pelosi did, a majority. It takes a majority to move, to mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Gates did it by himself. Eight people to get, seven more people joined him and all the Democrats voted against McCarthy. I, I can see Democrats voting to change it. I know Steny Hoyer uh, has been open to that idea. I, I presume maybe Matt Gates in a great show of faith and confidence in Johnson would vote to change it. Right. Uh, so I think there'll be, it'll come up, but I'm not sure about the timing. Uh, and you mentioned Dennis Hastert, that mm -hmm. Dennis, the Hastert rule uh, <laughs> is still in place, isn't it? Whereby well, they only... I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, where you need a majority of the majority. I think it's yeah. like internally in the Republican conference, but obviously you know, it's not that binding. And that's what got McCarthy in trouble. He uh, had he cut these deals. He made these deals, Democratic support. I can't remember if he had the majority of the majority on on both the debt limit and that uh, and the uh, continuing resolution. But, you know, it's 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 it is there. And uh, I think Johnson will really, really try and stick with that. You know, I don't he's not going to race out and get cut cut these agreements, I think, and then have more Democrats vote for them from Republicans. If he starts doing that immediately, you know, then then it gets rocky for him. Uh, what happens now to the impeachment inquiry in Joe Biden? Is this something that Johnson is has he spoken out on? It? Yeah, is yeah. He he's, he's aggressive. He's on the uh, Judiciary Committee. He's 
he wants to really, I think he wants to get it going, uh, which is another reason to wonder why he raced on to, you know, wants to meet with Joe Biden. But uh, the, yeah, he's wants to, uh, one thing that the conservatives have complained about, you know, they get on these hobby horses and one of them was, we need to subpoena Hunter Biden and make him testify. And there's been some reluctance to do that, but he seems to be all in on that. So I, I would, I consider him all in on impeachment and possibly more so than, than McCarthy was. Well, they've already held several hearings, Carl. Yeah. Um, one would have to admit, I think they've been less than productive, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like know, where, and, where's the beef? I think people are asking. Yeah, I, and you know, but I don't know that. I, I don't know that the substance here is all that uh, got uh, it. important. Got it. <laughs> but I Sadly. do think that he is. Uh, he's pro impeachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, getting away from, uh, just want to wrap with, but getting away from Mike Johnson for just a just a second. Uh, something extraordinary happened up in Lewiston, Maine, at the end of last mm-hmm. week after this tragic shooting at the bowling alley there, when a um, relatively young member of Congress, Jared Jared Golden, stood up and said, you know, hey, I was wrong. I voted against a ban on assault weapons. I was wrong. I apologize. And I have changed my mind. Uh, you've covered Congress a long time. That's pretty unusual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was that was a moment, especially for him. He has been very, very conservative. Maine, of course, is one of the top gun owning states uh, per, per capita, maybe the top. I mean, it's a, a big place for guns. Uh, and you know, these shootings. You know, it's interesting that when one happens in your uh, backyard, so to speak, it can have a very visceral effect. And it, it did, obviously, on him. But there is no appetite in Congress right now for more gun mm-hmm. control. Republicans in the Senate think that they did uh, after the uh, big the school shooting in Texas, there was a bill. Uh, they think that they did what they could do mm-hmm. then. Some people, and, and some people, and I'm including myself, thought they actually got more in that bill than I would have anticipated. Uh, but I mean, I, I unfortunately I do not see any movement on a serious gun legislation right now. And then, you know, you're getting into next year in uh, election year. Right. But, but I agree that was quite a conversion and uh, it, it is, it is rare. It was also striking because um of course, he's not going to change the the the, right. the possibility of getting a vote in the House. But in the Senate, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've heard anything from Susan Collins or Angus King along the same lines. I think they're supporting some efforts, but uh, unclear on the assault weapons. Susan Collins, I know, is for, focused heavily on the size of the magazines, which is an issue uh, that people talk about. And I, you know, but like I said, I think at the moment it's a it's a dead end uh, for uh, gun legislation now. Well, Carl, I got to say, you cover one of the most interesting beats in the world. Uh, it's never dull around the United States Congress, right? Yeah, I know. Everybody was <laughs> talking last week, a lot of young reporters, and they're like, whoa, this is story is getting old. And I'm like, this is the best story you're ever going to cover. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to cover congressional politics, this is this is pretty much uh, exhibit A in interesting stories. So I'm happy to talk about it with my neighbor, Bill. 
Uh, okay, and happy to have you on the Bill Press Pod. Thanks so much, Carl. We'll let you go back to work, and we'll catch up with you again pretty soon. All right. Thanks, guys. And that's it for today's podcast with Carl Hulse, both a good friend and a good neighbor and a great correspondent for The New York Times. You can follow him, uh, his reports from Congress every day in The New York Times, where he's the chief Washington correspondent. Uh, and we will be back on Friday with our roundtable, Reporters Roundtable, looking back on all the news of this week. It's another big week in Colorado. Uh, there'll be a court hearing on whether or not under the 14th Amendment, because he uh, encouraged the insurrection, whether Donald Trump is even eligible to run for president. That big question coming up for the first time in a courtroom in Colorado this week. Uh, also, of course, we'll continue to, uh, to follow coverage of the war in the Middle East and its political impact back here at home. Uh, and MAGA Mike, Speaker Johnson, will uh, be kind of plowing through his first full week as Speaker, so we'll see how well he does. So have a great week, everybody, and then come back and see us on Friday for the Reporters' Roundtable and the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. Have a good one. <laughs>